In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis and today's recording, I'm staying right here at home in Prague and interviewing a local guest. But even if I'm here at home in Prague, our listeners are from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And welcome back to our returning listeners. If you are new with us, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In these series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on iTunes. And this series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. So I invite you to contact me, send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com, connect with me on my website, Go to iTunes and just get in touch. Tell me what you want to hear about. I'd love to hear from you, so please drop me an email. If you would like to be a guest on our show, if you're a professional or a business person with passion or an expert on a business subject, reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. We have a worldwide audience. But even if you don't want to be a guest, if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for your business or yourself. Now, on to today. What are we going to talk about today? You know, today's organizations and leaders are more focused on matters of doing things more effectively and having good financial results. We have created a competitive world where only results count, and the individual is very often lost in the process. Any kind of deep purpose of being in tune or either what one is doing and being in tune with oneself is generally absent in the work environment. The result is very often dysfunctional behaviors by leaders, a lack of respect for business partners and customers, and certainly no sense of deeper purpose at both the individual or the organizational level. Some of the major causes of this are repetitive thoughts and feelings and behaviors that focus on personal self, fishness, desires, and one's own personal gain. That is why development plans in corporations are very often hard skill based and not focused on the development of the individual as a well-rounded leader. Essentially, presence and purpose focusing on the development of the leader as a whole is not part of many programs. And when it's missing, it can result in the lack of energy, lack of fulfillment, and lack of meaningful or spiritual leadership. But on the other hand, let's think about that for a minute. Organizations have diverse workplaces and various cultures, and individuals have diverse beliefs, even though some values and perceptions may be shared. So I'm asking you 
can spiritual leadership even have a place in leadership development in this profit-driven, economically focused business world? I'm not so sure, okay? Do we really want our leaders to act as a whole while modeling organizations into places that not only produce but also have purpose? That's a question that we're going to talk about today. But there are leadership models which are embedded in many Eastern cultures, such as in various practices of Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, that try to focus on the spiritual side of leadership. And we can learn from these practices. These models and approaches generally include a reflection of self-knowledge, self-awareness that contribute to effective leadership and a work-life integration and balance. And today we're going to take a look at a model developed by a professional leadership trainer and coach that combines these spiritual practices with the best practices in leadership development. Our guest today is David Papa. Back in 2006, after six years in digital marketing and feeling miserable, David went on a soul-searching quest to understand himself, happiness, and create meaningful work. After five years, he got himself an MBA at Emory University in Atlanta, focusing on social enterprise and leadership, with a focus on helping purpose-driven companies both profit and impact the world. There was only one problem for David. He experienced that purpose-driven companies very often had cultural issues. Leaders not trusting employees, employees not trusting leaders, and so on. Hierarchical decisions were being made for the benefit of a few and not the benefit of the group. Little to no personal growth opportunities were available, and anxiety and stress was running rapid throughout many organizations, and many people were just running unfair. Observing this, he felt it was important that business focus on engaging and being flexible. This sent David on another round of soul searching until he saw the antidote to his fear was love. He knew he could help by bringing more love into the business world by helping people connect with their heart and lead from it. Since 2013, has been coaching, consulting, and teaching through his work, Love and Profit. He's worked with hundreds of executive managers, and he's a certified in personal resist, resistance and team uh, coaching. So, David, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thanks so much, Kimberly. I'm really happy to be here. Okay. So let's let's start out a little bit on this this um, love and profit. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, when I think about that, that's kind of like two words I don't put in the same sentence. Okay. So, how did you come up with this idea? Yeah, well, me neither, you know, when I first started my career, but what I, in, you know, thank you for the great introduction and the, the part of it where I started to notice that even purpose-driven organizations had all the same cultural challenges that, you know, organizations that didn't really have a clear purpose experienced, that, that was, I started to try to figure out why. And what I saw was that there was just so much fear-based decision-making and so much of the business world is run by fear. Uh, fear of, you know, people are afraid to share their ideas. People are afraid of what everyone else thinks of them. People are afraid of their boss's judgment. People are afraid of failure. People are afraid of, uh, you know, communicating for who they really are, sharing their emotions, you know, all these kind of things that factor into how we operate at work and build our businesses. And that this fear was the cause of so much 
of the the cultural malaise and cultural dysfunction. The the fear was the cause of so much disengagement at work. And and I just started to think about what's the antidote to this? How do we start to change this? And what I noticed from my own life was that my own fear-based decisions uh, were transformed when I connected with more of, of my heart, when I connected with more of my love. So I, I realized that the business world needed more of that too. And that's how I came up with the idea of putting more love into business. And then to be totally honest, I realized, you know, this was five years ago, you know, and then I realized uh, businesses are probably not going to buy love. So <laughs> what, what do they, what do they like? Are they, oh, they like profit. Okay, perfect. Love and profit, you know, put it together. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, and and you know that is when, when you when you get this this insight. Do do you think that the other leaders, you know, the leaders you're working with, and other people realize this too, um, at at the same time, or did they just it was kind of like machines working, and it was just part of the culture, and nobody paid attention to it? Yeah, a, a lot of a lot of people. I mean, when you mentioned that look at all the fear-based decisions that are happening and you mention all the fear, then people start to realize, oh, wow, yeah, like we're, we're doing this because we're scared of what our competitors are doing or we're doing this because we're scared of what our board thinks or we're doing this because we're scared of how a customer might react or not react. So the once you point a lot of that out, people start to see it more clearly. But before we wake up to this idea that a, a lot of our – survival wiring. I mean, this, this comes from our, you know, evolutionary wiring to try to survive where we're noticing threats everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's part of our brain's function. It's a, a large portion of our nervous system's activity is devoted to trying to identify threats and avoid them. So when we realize this is, this is influencing our action in our business world and when we make decisions, you can start to see that much more clearly. But before you realize that, we, you just think your fear-based decisions are the logical, rational thing to do mm -hmm. because we have lots of good explanations for making decisions that are based on fear. You're like, oh, yeah, I definitely need to pay attention to all these competitors and, and you know, carefully monitor what they're doing and change this and change that so they don't, you know, so they don't get me and so they don't, I don't lose all this, this share, this market share. You know, I mean, that's, uh, that's uh, the survival wiring, you know, affecting business. Yeah. And sometimes that works, but a lot of, in a lot of cases that doesn't work. And there are more effective things that we can do. Mm -hmm. So you that yeah, I, I completely agree. And and I think when, to our listeners, we've all experienced this, and we experience it every day. So you took this, and and when I you took this and developed this into a program. Uh, leadership program for development and engagement, and you uh, took your observations as the basis, and. Then you developed seven steps that were essential to helping leaders get engagement, maybe get rid of this fear. Can you highlight very highly those seven steps? And then yeah, we'll talk sure. About them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ahead. sure. So the seven, I, I, kind of, I usually refer to them as seven levels because mm -hmm. they're kind of like, uh, they, they typically work best in kind of a progression. But I, yeah, I'd be happy to talk about where they came from. There was a lot of research that went into this and also, you know, the connections to kind of ancient wisdom that are part of my, you know, some of my favorite parts of this. But the seven levels are safety, creativity, power, love, self-expression, insight, and spirit. Okay. And, and how did you come up with those levels? Well, I started trying to solve the engagement problem and figure out how I was going to bring more love into the business world. 
And, you know, I didn't know once I, I saw that it was needed, but I didn't know how to do it. You know, so I started to, uh, you know, I tried to find some mentors that were that really helped me. And I found an, an amazing mentor who's in the U.S. And uh, and he helped me craft a lot of what, you know, what my coaching developed into. And then I started doing a lot of research. I did a uh, I read every book I could find on on how engagement, how to improve engagement, you know, and there mm-hmm. are several that I used to the the you know, the research that they were reporting about in in their books from behavioral economists and uh, psychologists and organizational psychologists, you know they were they were reporting on these um, these results of the this research and h- trying to help us figure out the engagement problem. You know, one common one that many people have heard of is Drive by Dan Pink. You know, which talks mm-hmm. about autonomy, right. mastery, and purpose. So books like that. And what I what I realized is that. When you put all of the research together, at least all the research I encountered together, which was kind of a summary of 40 or 50 years of, of organizational psychology work, there were seven key things that all of the research kind of overlapped on or all of the research was, was pointing to. And um, when I found these these seven things, they weren't too far off from, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They were just mm-hmm. kind of, uh, they were slightly different. They weren't even far off from other work on human needs done by, um, you know, Tony Robbins and his, his mm-hmm. research partner, uh, uh, whose last name is Maddows. And, but they were, they were slightly different and kind of more updated for the modern world. But what really blew my mind was that when I was trying to come up with a clear way to, to communicate these seven things in a cohesive package, I suddenly realized they were the exact seven things that yoga uses in its model of understanding ourselves for the seven key kind of human needs, seven key ways we interact with the world around us. And when, and I'd been, you know, I'd been practicing first time I did yoga was in 2000, you know, so this was like many years since I've been a casual yoga practitioner and into the, and a, and a student of spirituality from many different aspects. And when I saw that the modern science and this ancient wisdom that had been around and refined for, you know, thousands of years, when I saw they were matching up with what they were saying that humans really need to feel fulfilled in their life, it just, it just I just felt like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is so important. <laughs> so that's why I put it, to, put it together like that. So it, so it all came together. So, um, David, we're going to go and for our listeners. We're going to we're going to talk about these these seven levels. Okay. Um, for now, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to start with the first level and and walk our way through um, the seven levels. And for our listeners, we're we are talking today with David Papa, and David is a specialist coach, leadership trainer who helps people understand what they want in their heart and then do it. He looks for the places where modern science matches ancient spiritual wisdom to unearth powerful truths on engagement, growth, and leadership and help us all become better leaders. He helps companies bring more love into the business world by helping people connect with their heart and lead from it. And if you'd like to reach out to David, you can reach out to David on his website at www.loveandprofit.com. David is also on LinkedIn under David Papa, and that's P-A-P-A, and on Instagram under I Play David. 
So I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, CEO, leadership and business expert. You can contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group, Leadership Beyond Borders, or my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. So with that, David, we're going to take a short break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the seven levels. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Skilled migrants throughout the world can face a variety of challenges. Many times they settle for jobs that are below their skill level because their education and qualifications are not recognized. Do we need local experience in a global world? Join host Alma Besserton for the Global Workplace. We'll explore the issues being faced by migrants, as well as showcase diversity and recognize the leadership and inclusion roles of some of today's top global organizations. Listen every Tuesday at 4 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. And today we're talking with David Papa, specialist coach and leadership trainer. David helps people understand what's in their heart and how to use that in leadership. So David, we we kind of, we talked about before the break, we talked about how you came up with this level and your experience of seeing fear in many organizations. Uh, What I'd like to do is now talk about the levels and I'd start, like to start with the first level you talk about, which is safety. And I'd like you to talk to us about what that's about. And I'll just, when I read that, I was thinking about trust um, and is does that have anything to do with trust, or can you just tell us about this level safety? Yeah, great. This level is kind of the foundational level on 
which all other leadership activity is built. If you don't, and, and trust is a great word for how safety shows up at work. If you don't have trust of the people around you, everything you're trying to do as a leader is, is weakened. It's not going to be as effective. You're going to struggle a lot more. So the way that safety shows up at work is in trust in flowing in all directions, you know, flowing up the organization, down the organization, sideways in the organization, and also security, where people are not in threat mode. You know, this is what, this is kind of, many of us are, it's our default operating state, is that we're on the lookout for threats because of the survival wiring we have in our nervous system. So, you know, if we if we want people to get their heads out of that, you know, and and actually be active creators. We need to help them feel secure in their position, in their role, in their place, in the organization, and we need to trust them so that uh, we f- they feel empowered to actually get out of survival mode. So that's what this level is about. And and this kind of goes a circle backwards, okay? So, so we talked about fear, and you're going to have fear when you don't have trust. So I guess how... Uh, how do we develop trust within the organization? Yeah, yeah, this is probably the most important question for for leaders. You know, uh, the Great Places to Work Institute, and they've been looking at great places to work with uh, high engagement for a couple decades, and you know, they they break it down to the single most single most important characteristic for them is trust, and the way we start developing it is starting with ourselves. At least that's what I teach. In every one of these, the, these levels of progressive leadership capability, we start with ourselves. So it's up to leaders to recognize where they're afraid at work, where their fear is at work, what's keeping them up at night, what are they really worried about, and finding a way to look at those in the face as a starting place to find more trust and security inside themselves so you know, I've done exercises in groups with leaders where I just put people in pairs and I just, this, this is a very simple assignment, tell the other person what you're afraid of most at work, mm-hmm. you know, and some people are, they, you know, they just, they don't even think they're afraid of anything, but then they start talking and they realize that, yeah, the way someone thinks of them or, or that they might fail as a leader, it actually really makes them very anxious or, or really nervous. So there, all of us have these fears. It's just part of being human. So finding them in yourself and finding the way to work with them in yourself, that's the first step. And then, you know, there are some other elements of trust that we can talk about. For example, credibility is part of trust. So are you showing up in a uh, consistent way where, you, where you're building mm-hmm. some credibility for who you are as a person? You know, do you have some yeah. experience you can bring? And then authenticity is a piece of trust. Mm-hmm. So... Do you, is, is, people can tell when, you, if you say something that you don't really believe, or if you, uh, are you, tr- you pretend you are feeling a certain way when you're not, that sets off people's internal alarm bells. You know, our subconscious yeah. nervous system is very good at picking up discontinuities in someone's communication. So how authentic are you? Because that's creating trust. And then, you know, kind of what I would say, once you've connected with these things inside yourself, the number one way to build more trust in the organization is to give it, mm-hmm. just give it, yeah. just give people, just trust them more. Let, mm-hmm. let them do more of what they're capable of doing. You know, that yeah. the, the way to get trust is to give it. 
that, that that's that's a really really good point and and it's interesting because you know I've read statistics that um, about seventy five percent of leaders don't feel you know are afraid or don't feel that they have the capability to lead and I think starting with themselves and building their trust in themselves and then giving it out is is a, is a super way and it and that does produce a safety within the organization. Um, let, let's move on a little bit to the to next level because you talk about creativity. Um, mm. And when I think of creativity, I think of um, innovation. And I also think, you know, there's a lot of leaders out there who are really good at something. But, uh, you know, is does everybody have creativity in there? Um, you know, uh, is everybody creative? And what do you mean by that? Yeah, great question. So, yes, I believe that everybody is creative. You know, creativity for me, it doesn't mean drawing something or it doesn't mean being a painter you know creativity means how are you how are you solving it could mean how are you solving a problem in an interesting way you know kind of that that innovation word you know Mm -hmm. and it could mean how are you how are you interacting with other people in a in a new way in a playful way so one of the innovation is definitely part of this creativity and that's one way that people can easily see creativity as part of the work environment. But another way that is often discounted to the detriment of everybody is play. Mm-hmm. And the difference between innovation and play is, is that innovation typically has, is connected to some type of outcome or mm-hmm. problem that is trying to be solved, whereas play is for its own sake. You know, when, when you're engaging in something that's genuinely play – from, you know, every mammal plays, every single mammal plays. And when you watch children play, you know, they're not playing for a specific outcome, you know, when they're just pretending that they're characters or playing make-believe or something, you know, they're doing it for the sake of the activity itself. And this uses a part of our brain that is deeply connected to our, our creativity, our ability to come up with new solutions. It also uses a part of our nervous system that allows us to bond more closely with the people around us. You know, so play is really important for developing social understanding, emotional intelligence, and new ideas. So creativity isn't just about you know uh, some art art project or or coming up with the the innovation. It's also about being willing to just play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 explore. And so, do you talk to people about exploring themselves and their ideas and and uh, sharing that? Is that is that how? How do you work on this level of creativity? How do you, you help people find creativity in within yeah. themselves, within themselves? Yeah, well, you can, and you, you started to, you know, the way you described that, you can sort of see how these levels kind of build on each other because if yeah. someone doesn't feel safe, they're not, they're, they're going to have trouble really letting themselves play with ideas and letting themselves express an idea that they might think, you know, maybe will get rejected or something. Mm -hmm. So we can see that there's a progression here that, uh, and that that safety level is, is the foundation for these other things like creativity. So, you know, to help someone get creative in themselves, they need to find ways to play more. They need to find the things that return to the activities that give them joy. You know, when, when people are in a moment, moment of joy in what they're working on, they are automatically flowing with new ideas. They're automatically figuring things out. You know, this is, you imagine someone, you know, who is like, uh, you know, who is gardening as a, as a hobby and really finds gardening joyful. You know, they're, they're, com- they're automatically 
in the act of gardening, coming up with the you know, interesting ways to maybe arrange their garden or what they can grow where or how they can do this. So they're being cre- creative as part of that playful process and that joyful process. And many of us in the working world, we've, we've been kind of absorbed the message that our joy is invaluable, that our, that our joy isn't, uh, needs to be put aside so we can get our work done. And, and what I'm trying to say with this level is that you have to bring that play back in if you want to be fully engaged in your whole self with what you're doing. And it can actually lead to some great outcomes. Mm-hmm. And actually, when you said that, I had to laugh because the, the first thing that went in my head from years and years ago when I started my career is you don't have fun at work. Okay, you know, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you remember that. It was kind of drilled into us years ago, and um, and in reality, now I think things have turned around because actually, uh, especially with Generation Z, and um, you know. They want to have an engagement in a, a place where they can grow and have fun and be creative too. So absolutely, uh, because, absolutely, yeah, it really does. So mo- moving on to, to the to the next levels on the third and, and fourth level, um, you talk about power and love. And when I when I was reading your material, the first thing that came to my mind was that C.J. Young said the opposite of love is power, not hatred. And um, it kind of was a little paradoxical for me. So can you just talk about these two levels? We'll you know, start with maybe the level of power and then how it moves into the level of love. Yeah. So I think what Carl Jung was talking about was a, like a power over someone else, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to, trying to dominate someone else and, and gain power over other people. I think, I think that, you know, could be one way to look at kind of the opposite of love where you, where you accept uh, other people and you prop up other people, you know, that's like the loving, the loving thing to do. Right. So power in this case is your personal belief in your ability to shape the environment around you. It's like Mm self-efficacy. So it's, it's the idea that, you know, when I, when I decide something, I can make it happen. When I am determined, the, the result will come. When I apply my energy and skill to something, I can affect change around me. It's kind of like, it's a feeling of, of agency in the world. And, and, all, and yeah. often the way this shows up at work is that people have autonomy. People are given autonomy to go the to go do the work that they're you know assigned to do it's kind of like let the people who are doing the work decide how it's going to be done that's the that's the most efficient way to get the work done mm-hmm. so that's what that power level is about okay yeah. and the, and then the love comes after that and yeah so it, it's kind of yeah once you're once you're feeling safe and you're reconnected with kind of your your joy for what you're doing and you're and you're feeling more fluid and creative which you know, makes you more flexible to deal with the constantly changing world that we face. And then once you feel like, oh, you know what, in this changing world, I can make a difference. I can do something uh, and have agency that makes a change in this world. I feel powerful. Then now we're, now we're starting to get kind of our basic, some basic needs covered and we can move more into the, this heart space of feeling, feeling love. Now, I know that, you know, I've had this, the question a lot. Like, so, I mean, you're not talking about sex and romance at work, are you? Like, you know, like, no, of course, of course not. You know, so what am, I, what am I really talking about when I say love at work? What I'm talking about is three things. I'm talking about connection. 
the connection that people feel with each other, the connection that, that, you know, just as one person going through this model, you know, the connection that you feel with everyone around you, your connection to your own self and your own deeper self. Mm -hmm. And then second would be a sense of belonging. So do we feel like we're one group working together for some common reason? Do we feel like we really belong together? Do I feel really valued for my contribution to this group that I'm choosing to come to to work every day? I'm choosing to be here every day. Am I valued for what I show up and bring? Do I really belong here? And then, you know, the third the third word that is an overlap with that idea is appreciation. Do I really feel appreciated? Am I appreciating others? Does appreciation flow in every direction in our culture, in our organization? So that's how I would describe love at work. And we have lots of science that backs up the idea of belonging and appreciation being extremely important for people feeling truly engaged in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that makes a lot of sense because, you know, as I can now I'm seeing how these levels come together and then you go back to safety and then you feel you, you feel ready, you feel appreciated, you feel engaged, you're there. And then that's when it moves into your last three steps, um, which are uh, self-expression, insight and spirit. And so what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing from you is you move into once I get into this area where I feel comfortable, I can go move into self-expression insight and spirit and those are the 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 uh, last three levels is is that how it works yeah yeah (laughs) exactly as you move up these levels you're accessing different parts of yourself that really support and kind of allow you you have a a, one of your needs is now met now you can move into a kind of a higher level of operation if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. right. And then spirit as the last, that's kind of when I'm, I'm really comfortable. And, and, and that I imagine as a professional also, when I'm at that level, then I am most effective because I'm comfortable. And so I can, I can deliver better for both myself and my company and feel good about it. Yeah, exactly. When you're when you're feeling your own sense of of comfort, connection, appreciation and connecting with the, you know, if we jump up to the spirit level, when you're connected with your sense of meaning in what you're doing, when you're connected with some sense of of purpose in in your your life and your work, now you're operating at a, a level where you can do your best work and people are going to notice that and they that's the type of leader that where others look at and they say, "Wow, that person's really inspiring." Like, "Wow, that person has just this amazing, you know, energy and they get these incredible things done. You know, when we activate all seven of, of these levels, that's the kind of leader we can become. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. We're going to take a short break, David, on that. And this has been really insightful and um, really good things. And I hope we have a lot of listeners, a lot of leaders listening I, I've found it very, very valuable. And for our listeners, we're talking to David Papa. David is a specialist coach and leadership trainer who helps people understand what they want in their heart and then do it. He looks for places where modern science matches ancient spiritual wisdom to unearth powerful truths on engagement, growth, and leadership. You can reach out to David at www.loveandprofit.com. He's also on LinkedIn under David Papa, and that's P-A-P-A. And he's on Instagram under I Play David. 
So please reach out to him. He'd love to hear from you. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, CEO and leadership development trainer, business expert. You can contact me with comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group at Leadership Beyond Borders or go to my website. So we're going to take a small break and when we come back, I'd, I'd like to move a little bit also from the individual into how that individual fits in the corporation, David, and how that fits in the culture of the corporation to make make that the corporation, the organization even more meaningful. So we'll take a break. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. And today we are talking with David Papa, a specialist coach and leadership trainer. David helps people develop what's in their heart and then do it. He's developed a seven-level system for leaders to help them find the better leadership within themselves. So, David, we've been talking a lot about the individual. Um, once an individual goes through this this process, uh, how does this then affect the entire organization and the corporation? Yeah, good question. Well, you know, I, I personally, you know, culture kind of flows downhill, 
right? So yeah. culture is a result of the it's not not the result of the values on the wall, right? We all we've all we've all been in businesses where there <laughs> yeah. there yeah there are values on the wall that are don't really mean much, but the, the culture results from the decisions and the actions that the leaders model. Mm-hmm. So you know humans learn very effectively through modeling, and we we model we naturally model. Uh, the behaviors of the you know of our leaders. So those actions and decisions are what's creating culture. So when you get a group of leaders who starts to access these these seven key you know leadership capabilities in a um, in a greater way, now their behaviors, their actions are changing. Now other people start to uh, are more empowered to change their actions and their behaviors, and you can really create a cascade effect when you get. Uh, a group of people learning the learning this you know this model. I mean, when I when I work with uh, when I work with organizations, I I rarely teach this to a single individual. I'm doing this as a, in a, as a group. I'm trying mm-hmm. to help a group of people because changing the culture as one person, you know, you can you can create a little subculture, right? For your team, if you're a leader that has a team, especially if if you're in an organization that's a little bit more siloed, you can create a subculture that's actually quite different from the the main culture of the regular organization. But it's it's very hard to change the culture as one person. But if you have a, if you have like a, a subculture team, if you have like a group of leaders that are all kind of working on the same, with the same understanding, now they're, you're this like cultural support network in an organization, you can make some big strides. Mm-hmm. So as an individual, as a leader, then I, I can uh, take step by step and to, to change this. And as you said, we, you know, I've been in those buildings where those values are on the walls and, and stuff. And sometimes they've been like that for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, a really long time. And change is hard. I mean, as humans, we, we, we naturally don't embrace change. So uh, is this a long process when corporations, when the individuals start to um, engage in these seven levels and then try to bring it? Is it a long process? Um, it seems like a hard process to me. I mean, what's your experience on this? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've, I've worked, you know, I, I helped uh, an organization last year build a new set of values from the ground up. And they're very flexible organization in terms of their culture compared to some other organizations. And even for them, you know, their, their implementation plan to really have these new values singing through the organizations and really affecting decisions and actions. There's, there's a two or three year process that they under, they believe it's going to, it's going to require. So, you know, you can, you, the sooner you get started really connecting with with the people inside the organization and what they really value and what the organization really wants to stand for, the sooner you can start that process, the better. And you're absolutely right. It can take, it can take time for that to really go through a whole organization, but it can take, it can be much quicker to work on your own subculture, you know, to work Mm -hmm. on your immediate surrounding culture. 
Mm-hmm. And when I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking about the, the today, I mean, today we live, we, our work environment is completely different from years ago. So if you had, you know, 200 people in a building, um, it was a little bit easier to cascade these changes. But today we're, we, we work virtually and remotely. Um, and we also, you know, have people who are not um, employees, they're contractors today. So how do you, how do you work with that? Because, you know, the work environment is so different today when you want to start to cascade these changes. Yeah, that's a great, it's a great question. Yeah, and, and I'm working actually with a, a coaching company in Spain called TNM Coaching to turn these seven levels into a leadership program for distrib- organizations with lots of distributed and virtual teams. Because uh, we're just seeing it so often, you know, the 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 virtual setup and the the re- reduction of full time jobs. I don't think that's gonna that's a trend that's gonna turn around. You know, mm-hmm. it's gonna just keep going in that direction. So, I think we, I think in that situation, we have to be even we have to be more intentional, even more intentional than we are when we're all physically located in the same office. Because, you know, if someone is if someone is observing you as a leader all day, right? They're working with you every day, all day in the same office. It's going to be easier for them to naturally pick up your behaviors, naturally understand what the cultural norms are. Because many organizations, they don't explicitly state their cultural norms. They, mm-hmm. they, just, they just have like an unwritten rules of how things are done around here, you know? And that is, so that's a, a big problem in and of itself. First, get your cultural norms on the table. Identify what they are and decide if you actually want them or not. And then, and you have to do that if you're a totally physical organization um, or a virtual one. But then if you're mm-hmm. a virtual one, you got to be extra intentional that every touch point you have with your virtual team you're activating the culture that you want to work in. You're activating the culture that you're trying to create. So every meeting you have with your virtual team, how you're running that meeting is a great way to impart the culture. And many people, you know, they they think meetings are just like, you know, okay, let's go through the agenda, you know, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Let's get our stuff done. You have hundreds of choices you can make to change the way you run a meeting to actually create the culture you want. And when you have meetings with groups of people or one-on-one meetings, you know, how you communicate via email or how you communicate digitally. I mean, we don't have to use email now. We can send videos. We Mm. can send audio recordings. So all these choices add up to how you are creating the culture in the virtual environment. And because the people aren't next to you and seeing you all the time, you have to be more intentional about those choices and pick Mm -hmm. them more carefully for what you want to create. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, yes, it, it makes absolute sense. And um, I, I was just going to give an example because in, in uh, uh, one of the companies I work with, you know, uh, virtual Skype um, and go to meeting, but always with always with pictures, always so you can see the person because mm-hmm. they, they want that uh, this company wants to ensure that there is an eye to eye communication, even if it's virtual okay, um, or, or even it's over a screen. So I think you're right. There's a lot of ways you can get that kind of engagement. And um, David, uh, another question on that, just to stay on that for a minute. Um, 
because it's not just it's not about just about the virtual virtual offices, but today I mean we're we're working with five generations today, okay? And there there's so many value differences or uh, value differences, habit differences between Generation Z and maybe baby boomers, and and how do you work with that when when trying to to bring these levels into an organization? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I've found is that. As, as humans, we all have the same, these same basic needs for our engagement. You know, these these seven, these seven levels, uh, this are you know based on both the science and the ancient some ancient w- wisdom traditions. So you know they, they're applying to people of many different ages, many different times. You know, the science has been built up over the last 40, 50 years. So there are multiple generations that have been looked at when we come to these seven things. The, the trick is, and the reason some of the miscommunication happens at work between, let's say, millennials and Gen Xers, mm-hmm. is because the way we express these needs and the way we prioritize these needs is different. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, I, I, for example, you know, when the last place that I was uh, you know, formally employed in kind of a nine-to-five job, I was ended up kind of being a, a I ended up uh, having millennials report to me, and I was reporting to a Gen Xer who was an executive mm-hmm. at the company. And I really had to be the translator. Like mm-hmm. l- literally, they would be in a they would be <laughs> yeah. in a meeting. Yeah, they would they would have a meeting, and they the, all of a sudden some tension would rise. Some like some you know they would be their voices would rise, and they're having a misunderstanding, and it's and it, they they really had trouble working together. And then one day I realized like like they are both saying the same thing just from different <laughs> angles. It's just a yeah. different, it's just different lenses. So I don't, you know, millennials are more, millennials are more open about getting their needs met at work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Gen, Gen yep. Xers, they have the same needs, but they don't, they didn't grow up feeling like those needs needed to be met at work. Yeah. So certain, certain work, certain needs that they have, for example, security, stability, you know, kind of those, those like wanting to be able to affect change, you know, th- those lower levels, they, uh, Gen Xers and millennials both share those at work, but where it starts to get a little bit, uh, different is when you go from kind of the love level up, you know, mm-hmm. because the, because Gen Xers, you know, they grew up feeling like, look, if I'm not, if I'm not appreciated at, at work, like I'm not at work to get pats on the back all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, yep. but millennials, they want that. They want that appreciation constantly. Gen Xers didn't grow up thinking, you know, I need to have some, some meaningful purpose in my work. You know, my work mm-hmm. is a job and then I can go enjoy my life outside right. of my job. But millennials are, are saying, no, I want purpose in my work. So I believe all of us have all these seven needs. It's just expressed a little bit differently between the generations. And that's where the miscommunication comes in. Yeah, and that and that's kind of this self-expression level, and also it's not just between the generations, but it's also between the cultures because we work in such cult- cross-cultural environments today with different nationalities and and backgrounds. So I can see that. So David, um, that's great insight, and we're we're getting towards the the end of our show. So we have a lot of leaders listening, um, we have a lot of managers listening, and we have a lot of employees listening. So yeah, I, if you I, had a message first one message to the leaders you know what would your message be for future leadership lead with love okay because you know this is what 
we all really actually want in our life. And a lot of us don't realize that when we have it at work, work becomes something incredible that we get to do every day. And, you know, even if, even if you're struggling with some of the earlier levels, you know, you want to study those and get good at psycho providing psychological safety, for example, and trust, but that you find the wisdom inside of yourself when you connect with your own heart and just try to give more belonging and appreciation to those around you. And that really opens up the door for a lot of other things to happen. So I would, I would say lead with love. It makes, it makes a tremendous difference. Really, that's impact. That's a really great statement. And what about for the everybody else who listen who may not be in a leader position, leadership position, but you know, be engaged in their job? What would be your message to them? Well, yeah, that same. I think it kind of gets yeah, same. No, a little, <laughs> bit, a little bit, a little bit the same, but a little bit different. You know, it would. It's more what you what you want to experience in your workplace, even if you're not a leader, uh, you know, a quote unquote leader, like a hierarchical leader, you can experience more of what you want by giving those things. So what I would say to anybody who is at any level of the organization that wants to feel more trust, for example, start by giving more trust. If anybody wants to feel more appreciation, start by giving more appreciation. If anybody wants to be able to, uh, you know, express themselves more about what they really think and their real strengths, ask other people what they really think. Ask other people what their real strengths are and see if you can help them use those strengths. So I, I think the fastest way to experience more of what we want is to start giving those things to others around us. And then we find out that then we get those things back. That's great. And a perfect note to end on, David. So, David, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, it's been really a pleasure. I learned a lot. I've looked at David's website, and uh, you can reach David at loveandprofit.com. And he's also on LinkedIn under David Papa and Instagram at iPlayDavid. And once again, we've been talking with David Papa, spe specialist, coach, and leadership trainer. He's developed seven levels to help leaders grow grow. So please reach out to him. So thank you so much, David. Thank you, Kimberly. Great questions. And it was a pleasure to be on the show. I really appreciate it. Super. And for our listeners, where as we wrap up today, I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis. We have a range of great guests on this series. Please download us on iTunes. We are live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And please contact, contact me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Visit my website at leadershipbeyondborders.net. Like us on Facebook at Leadership Beyond Borders or on LinkedIn under Kimberly Lewis or on Twitter under Kimberly Lewis. And if you have interest in being on this show, please send me an email. We do have a worldwide audience. And if you'd like to reach out for me for other things, I'm available for speaking. We do systemic team coaching, certification, motivational speaking, leadership training. And we run the Women's Leadership Academy 2020 here in Europe. So please reach out for me and listen to us each week and tune in again next week and download us on iTunes. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.